It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on a Monday, April 22nd from Corner of the Galaxy Studios. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. Joining me as always is Kevin Baxter. We have a great show for you coming up. Going to make sure that we get over the 2-1 win for the LA Galaxy over the Houston Dynamo. Houston maybe surprised me, maybe surprised some other people in how well they play, but the Galaxy were able to grind something out. So a whole bunch of insights coming from that. We're also going to get you ready for the midweek game against Minnesota on Wednesday. That's right. Short turnaround. Everybody's headed on a plane on Tuesday to head to Minnesota. Yeah, Soda and Allianz Field. So we're going to get you ready for that game as well. And in between, we're going to throw a whole bunch of stats at you and talk about the biggest issues concerning the LA Galaxy. Well, I mentioned them already, but let's make sure we bring them on to the show right now. Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Are we a work done yet? What I'm was one that? of those people getting on a plane tomorrow. Yeah, you, I, I got to get up at like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, Let's you, go. That's only because you live so far away from the airport and you have yeah, to beat traffic and then you have to get there and you have to do the whole thing. So, um, yeah, so you're traveling to Minnesota, to Allianz Field. So you're getting ready uh, to, to do that whole thing. Are you uh, are you traveling with the team or are you traveling, you know, in parallel with the team this particular time? No, I'm traveling in parallel with the team. I, I actually I have traveled with the team twice, once by accident. I just happened to book a flight to Vancouver and. I got to the airport and I recognized a lot of people in the terminal and it was like in the waiting area and I was like, Hey, I know you guys. That's right. And then the second time I actually, Oh, actually I traveled with them two other times. Um, once to Dallas to do a story on MLS travel. And then I made a Zlatan's first road trip, uh, MLS road trip last year, just to see what it was like to be on the road with a, a superstar. And it was actually pretty cool. So this, uh, but at this time I'm traveling on my own. I will meet the team there. That's great. That's right. The LA Galaxy will travel to uh, Allianz Field to take on Minnesota United coming up. Uh, Kevin, the the Galaxy do get uh, what I thought was a very entertaining game, even though it started at uh, what felt like midnight. Um, It started at about 8 p.m., a little after 8.07. And there was a whole bunch of uh, answering questions about what time that game started leading up to it. But everybody got there. Yeah, the the stadium was uh, fairly well attended for, for a weekday. And Fridays are still weekdays. I don't care what people say about uh, the stadium and travel and traffic and all that fun stuff that was sort of there. Um, but everybody's there. The Galaxy go up one nothing in the first half, um, thanks to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and actually thanks to AJ Delagarza and a bear hug. We can talk about that. Uh, Houston comes back, a controversial penalty call that we certainly can talk about as well. Uh, and then the LA Galaxy end up winning it on a Diego Polenta header in the 88th minute. Uh, a late grinding victory. A, a different look from the LA Galaxy than we've sort of seen this season, Kevin. Uh, five wins in a row for them, but this was not a perfect performance from them. I don't think anybody thought that they played up to their standards, uh, but they came through and they sort of were able to grind out this win. Well, and that's what a good team does. You know, you're supposed to win when you're having your best game. When you win, when you're not playing well, when you grind it out against the team, remember, Houston came in. Yes, I know they were a little bit overrated, but they were undefeated. No one had beaten them this year. And the Galaxy, without playing their best game, were able to do that. So, um, these are important games when you're not at your best, when it's, a, you know, the circumstances are tough and you still manage to find a way to win. That's really important. And, and the kickoff time was really interesting. I mean, I think that that's a, a real good strategy for, uh, for bringing along your fan bases to keep them guessing at which time, uh, they're supposed to actually be there for the start of the game on a Friday night when you're fighting traffic. I bet a lot of people that got there for the 7:30 start would have no, would like to know they had an extra half hour to make it. Yeah, then not only do they have an extra half hour, there was all sorts of issues with terms of uh, advertising the correct television channel as well. So um, a little up in the air, but in the end, uh, you know, I think there were 23, what was it, 22,000, 22,000 something people there. Um, yeah, I, I, 21, it was 21 and change, I believe. 21 and change. Whatever. You got it right. Can't you remember? I, you I can't. The one that, yeah. You won the, the, the lottery in the press box. Yeah, I did. I, I got it. I was within 300. So that wasn't too bad. I don't remember what it was, though. I can't remember. I think it was like 21.8 is what I guessed. And it was 21.503. So um, I think that's sort of where, in the general area. But anyway, so the game starts. I mean, you know, oh, great. I'll tell you this. I gave Houston no chance coming in here, and I thought the LA Galaxy should have beat them, um, you know, 3-1. to one. I think if the Galaxy are, are, are truthful with themselves, Kevin, that they had a chance to probably beat Houston 3-1 to and make this maybe not a close game. It ended up being a very close game. In fact, um, if you look at possession, it's even. If you look at shots, it's even. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I, I tip my hat to Houston. I think that they played a very good game. I think, um, you know, looking at 
what they were able to do against a Galaxy team that was doing their best to, to really possess the ball and keep them away. I thought that, you know, Houston was very dangerous at times. I think uh, uh, Wilmer Cabrera's team did a great job in sort of trying to stymie the LA Galaxy. Uh, I'll say this, the Galaxy, I think, had more dangerous chances. I think Houston had some chances, um, but really the the one goal that they scored was sort of a, a bailout, uh, I think, by uh, by Jorgen Shelvick there and, and quite honestly by the referees. You even go to the LA Galaxy's first goal, it was a bailout by Adrian Delagarza with a, a bear hug. By the way, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life was AJ De La Garza with his arms wrapped completely around Zlatan Ibrahimovic and a height difference of what felt like 18 inches um, as the ball is floated towards the back post and really a, a non-dangerous play. Uh, and then with Zlatan going down and AJ with his arms still wrapped around him, AJ getting up and complaining about the whole thing and earning himself a yellow card. It was it was a humorous little moment there, and I know that the Galaxy fans, a lot of people love AJ De La Garza. I, you know, I, I still remain a huge fan of AJ De La Garza's, but in that particular case, Kevin, there's no doubt that it was a penalty kick, and it was humorous to see AJ sort of sitting there trying to uh, take down Zlatan, the lion himself, with that height disadvantage, with the weight disadvantage, with everything going on there, and then being surprised he got called for a penalty kick. Well, there was a lot of times when AJ was matched up with Boateng when they were in the open field, and that was a little bit of a mismatch too. Boateng is just so fast, uh, but at least the, the size was comparable. Uh, whenever the Galaxy were in front of the net, and, and, and give uh, the coaching staff a lot of credit for this, they knew that AJ De La Garza was going to be back there, and they knew that uh, they could exploit him if they were able to get a matchup in front of the net on corner kicks. And so you had the, the, the penalty on Ibra that led to the, the first goal, and that was a corner kick, and that was a well, it was a cross, I believe, but it was a total mismatch. Uh, Ibra got himself in position where he would have to be marked by AJ De La Garza. That led to the penalty, and then the second one, Polenta, again with a huge height advantage, weight advantage over AJ De La Garza. Again, uh, De La Garza was pulling on his jersey, and and Polenta was just so much stronger, was able to get up and head that ball in. So a good job by the coaching staff to realize that mismatch was there and that they could exploit it if they could get people in position. Well, I, I thought it was interesting on the Houston side of things and to look at where Houston was targeting the LA Galaxy. We talked, uh, well, we didn't really talk about the starting lineup, but Allison Drini started on the right, but ended up having to come out. Um, you know, Emmanuel Boateng came in, so there's an injury to Ramon Allison Drini, and it's another injury to Ramon Allison Drini, which is, um, I think, disappointing for a lot of fans and just trying to see the health of this player, and there, there's currently no health. Right now I have Allison Drini playing less than 45% of the total of available minutes uh, for the LA Galaxy member. That's a stat that'll thing. go down on Wednesday. That'll go way down on Wednesday. Yeah, because he's not playing on Wednesday. That's, uh, that's he's not seem- making the yeah, trip. That's not making Yeah, 44.6%. Remember, this was a stat we were using to really keep an eye on uh, Giovanni Dos Santos. But if you look at the designated players so far, they've played 72% of the total available minutes, which is, uh, I believe, much higher than it was last year. Well, Gio's played 0% of the available minutes so far. That's <laughs> what I got him at. Yeah, that's right. Gio has played 0%. But he doesn't count on a DP anymore, so I don't keep track of it. Uh, Zlatan was 71.4%, and Jonathan Dos Santos, who, by the way, is still right now my team MVP. Uh, Yeah, best player by far. Jonathan Dos Santos has 100% of the total minutes there, and uh, he was on fire again against the Houston. But anyway, going back to this whole thing, looking at who Houston was targeting and looking at the starting lineup, you had Julian Araujo making his first MLS start, 17-year-old. We, Kevin, you and I uh, have highlighted this player many times before, so he's in it right back with the injury to Rolf Felcher, who looks like he's probably unlikely to be ready for Minnesota and could possibly be ready uh, coming up on Sunday against Real. Salt like that's right. Two, I'm, two unlikely. Games. I don't think. I yeah, don't think I, he's going to be back. I'm not stretching that one either. I don't. I don't think it's happening. But anyway, Araujo gets the start, Kevin. And I saw in the beginning moments of this match, Houston target Araujo. They went after the 17 year old. Um, they really tried to pressure him. They really tried to work things. You know, through most of the first half, there was a lot of you know looking at Araujo and sort of going after him as the rookie and understanding that that would probably be their best shot at breaking through the LA Galaxy defense. I'll tell you this, as the game went on, they targeted a different player real quickly, and that was Jorgen Shelvick over on the left-hand side. Um, and I think Shelvick had a much more difficult time, um, especially with Albert Elise over there. Uh, and so Shelvick and Elise, they did not, you know, that was a much better thoroughfare for the Houston Dynamo than I think Araujo eventually was. And so if you're looking at Araujo at 17 years old, and Guillermo was very high on this 
on this kid afterwards. Kevin said, you know, he came out as a starter. He plays as a starter. He may have had some problems with his spacing, but we worked on it. And you know what? He can affect both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Um, and so, so you look at that and say that that it has to be a successful, you know, three-star performance there for Julian Araujo um, and what he's able to do on this team. I mean, I think if you're the Galaxy right now, losing Felcher was a big blow because Felcher had been ranked league-wide as one of the top right backs in the league so far this year. Um, and when you lose him and you put in a 17-year-old, you expect there to be a huge drop-off. I think offensively, there's still a lot to work with uh, Araujo, but he's comfortable in possession. Uh, he passes the ball pretty well. He had some mistakes, sure. Um, but I thought he played a, a really nice game. Well, it, the Galaxy knew that Houston was going to attack at his side, and I'm sure they told him that, and he was prepared. But what I liked about that assuming that he was prepared and did know that, and, and I believe that that's probably the game plan going in, I thought he played a great game because he didn't hold back. I mean, again, you're 17 years old. You're playing your first MLS start. Yes, you've played off the bench a little bit, but this time you're there from the kickoff. Um, he didn't hold back. He didn't lay back. He didn't play conservative. He didn't play as, a, as someone who was trying to avoid making mistakes. He pushed forward. Yeah, he did make a couple of mistakes, and I think that's good because that means that he was – he was being aggressive and he was pushing forward. Um, he didn't hang back. I saw him, uh, you know, up in the attack several times. So he wasn't one of those right backs who's going to hold back and just play defense and make sure that his guy doesn't score. He's going to get involved in the attack. He's going to play a full game. Um, I thought he did a good job. I don't think he looked like a 17-year-old, and he certainly didn't certainly did not look like a first-time starter. Yeah, and as we continue along the back line, uh, there's two guys who, who, two defensive players who really need to be sort of, you know, pointed out as having great games. I think some of their best games. Uh, David Bingham did a good job for the LA Galaxy, kept them in the game, made two saves overall. Saved the game with that 84th minute save. Yeah, exactly. Only made two saves, but a, a huge save in that 84th minute. Um, and then Diego Polenta. Obviously for the goal is great, but on, defensively, Kevin, this was the most comfortable I think I've seen him. Uh, there were Houston players flying through the center of the field multiple times and whether it was Jonathan Dos Santos or Diego Polenta somebody was there to stop them you know 95% of the time uh, really put a, a a tight stranglehold on Houston in terms of their creativity and what they were able to do um, the only sort of windows that Houston was able to glean from this was really out on the wings and it was against Shelvick and it was against Araujo and as you would expect that's where the speed sort of came into play and how how it sort of took place but again for a team that I thought was overrated, and I think they probably were, you know, they, they said they deserved all this respect, and you looked at their schedule, and you're saying they haven't beat anybody. Uh, they came in, they played the Galaxy really, really tough, and I think that with the Galaxy not playing well, yeah, that has something to say about it, but overall, you have to sort of tip your hat to Houston. They're on the road, uh, and they made it really, really difficult for the Galaxy to try to get anything going. And, and really, when you look at the chances that were created, um, there's nothing from the run of play where you sit there and go, okay, that was a clear-cut chance. Um, really something that the Galaxy should have done. Maybe a couple on the Boateng side. Uh, maybe a couple more you know, from, from other positions. Maybe Legette should have shot from the top of the box at one point. Um, but unlike everybody else, I'm not one of these people who think that the Galaxy are currently passing up all these chances to shoot just to get the ball to Zlatan. Um, I think that there's. I, I do. I, I think there's a, a couple chances that were that, but in this game, there weren't any very clear-cut chances for that to be happening. Um, and by the way, if you're, uh, I will say this, Kevin. If you think that the LA Galaxy should stop passing the ball to Zlatan, or that you should reduce the amount of service that you're getting him, I would like to point out to the fact that whenever you get Zlatan the ball, he tends to score goals. Um, so if you cut out any of his service or you reduce any of his chances, that probably means he's going to score less goals. Uh, and, and that means you have to have a huge pickup on the other side of things in order for other people to score more goals. Do we want to go there now? Because before we do, I mean, we're going to have a discussion on that. But I just want to say one thing about – you're right about Polenta. And, and to me, that raises another question. Okay, so Polenta played a great game. He looked more comfortable than he has all year. Remember, this was a guy that when he came to the Galaxy hadn't played in the game since last July. So he needed a little bit of time to get his feet under him. Yes, he'd played in – MLS before, or well, no, actually, he had not played in MLS before, correct? Correct. He has not played in MLS before. Um, but he needed a little bit of time to get comfortable. He is comfortable now. He's playing comfortable now, and and credit for that, I think, has to go to Daniel Sturridge, the guy playing by, beside him. I think they that they have a good rapport. And I think uh, his comfort with playing next to Steris now allows him to do some things. So now, do you bring in Giancarlo? Do you uh, obviously you signed him? He's making. Uh, you know, uh, he's getting TAM money, so he's making over 530000 He's the guy that came in from Bologna. He's the guy that came in from Syria, from a major European league. You brought him in to play. Do you play him now? Does he get the start? 
at center back? Do you put Steris on the bench? Because Steris is making, in my opinion, Steris is making Polenta better right now. Well, I mean, we did get to see uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez or People Gonzalez. We got to see People for about four or five minutes um, in this game. So there was an actual, you know, Gonzalez sighting in this particular case. Uh, I'll tell you this, just from the little bit of time that we saw him in, and it was when the Galaxy sort of went to five in the back with uh, with uh, Ima Boateng coming out of the game after the Galaxy had taken the lead, and so you were coming into the final minutes there. I think that sub came in the 89th minute. Um, when you look at all this, uh, Gonzalez looked really comfortable already just on the field, made a couple good slide tackles and really strong. This is always going to be the question. Do you do, what do you do? You know, people are telling and, and screaming that Shelvick needs to get all, out of left back, but the only person they really have at left back that they could bring in is Dave Romney. So if you're going to do that, then you bring Dave Romney in the left back. It doesn't solve the center back issue that you currently have. Uh, we argued that perhaps you could move Araujo to the bench and have uh, Giancarlo play the right back position. Um, and so everybody who we've, I think we've talked to about that sort of seems to roll their eyes at us and say he doesn't play right back, even though he has on the national team. Uh, is another solution to go three in the back with Steras, Polenta, and Gonzalez. Is that the, the better answer in that? And I don't know that the Galaxy want to switch formations now that everything seems to be clicking. So you go through all these things, and, and the only answer to me seems to be that you brought Gonzalez in as a TAM player to make a whole bunch of money, Kevin, and you brought him in to be a defensive player, and you brought him in to be a defensive starter. So where does he fit? Are you going to move Polenta... Who, who has struggled much more than Daniel Starris so far, or are you going to move Starris to the bench? And the answer has always been that you're moving Starris to the bench, even if we all agree that's totally unfair. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, Starris is the odd man out. If, if Giancarlo Gonzalez starts, he'll start at center back, I think, and he'll start next to Polenta, um, which, it, you know, I wonder what, what problems that might pose for David Bingham, because then you have your two center backs who are Spanish dominant. Uh, I, I know that, uh, I, I believe Giancarlo, Giancarlo speaks or uh, understands a little bit of English, but mm-hmm. uh, in game situations, I think it would be difficult. So you'd have two Spanish speakers right in front of David Bingham, who, as far as I know, speaks no Spanish. So that, that's something that I think someone has to think about. Yes, I, I'm sure they can all converse in, in soccer Spanglish, but... Um, until they get comfortable together, I think there's going to be some growing pains there. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting problem to have. I'll say that the the problem, and, and you know, I'm sure Guillermo has sort of looked down the road for this. The problem to address this is now because you can rest some bodies. You can give Steras, you know, a break and start Gonzalez against, um, you know, Minnesota right now because you have two games this week or technically three games in eight days um, or I guess nine days because it was on Friday. Um, so you, you have the chance and the ability to do some rotation right now. The other problem is that almost everybody else in front of you is not going to get to rotate because of the injuries that have sort of taken out some of that rotation. So where you will have the ability to put in some fresh legs might be in that center back position. You might start Gonzalez next to the Polenta against Minnesota and then at home against Real Salt Lake, maybe Steris comes out. But that also brings up another issue, Kevin. And the other issue is that you have something that is working right now. The LA Galaxy have conceded, what, seven goals in seven games? Is that correct? Um, so they are on a pace right now to give up 34 goals, which by the way, would be a ton less than they ever gave up over the last couple of seasons. It'd be about half of what they gave up last year. Yeah, I actually, I actually did the numbers. So if they were, uh, if you there, if they're on pace to concede 34 goals in 2019, that would be 30 goals less than in 2018 and 33 goals less than in 2017. Uh, if you're looking at about the best sort of defenses the Galaxy have ever sort of had, uh, you have to look at the 31 goals conceded in 2009, 26 goals in 2010, and 28 goals in 2011. Um, just to sort of put that all in perspective. So let me say a few things about that. First of all, I like your idea about the squad rotation, and here's what I like about it. Um, maybe I get too much into the mental aspect of the game, but um, if you bench Steris right now, um, and, and then you know Steris and Romney are close, and I think that they sh- they, they talk an awful lot. So if you bench Steris, Steris has the you know it's possible. I don't think he would, but you know the possibility of him to get get a little bit dejected. Maybe take Dave Romney down with him. Dave Romney is a little bit disappointed. He's not playing. It could be a bad kind of squad thing to do. Uh, to to just tell Dan Steris, look, uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez is here. He's the starter. You're going to go to the bench. We'll we'll call you when we need you. But if you're able to do it, where you say, hey, we're going to rotate the squad because we've got three games here. Uh, in a week, and uh, we're going to try Giancarlo uh, at center back. You're still a starting guy. We're just we just want to see how this works, and and we need to give you a little bit of rest. You know, that would give 
the coaching staff sort of a chance to try things out, to take a look at things without committing to anything with, so that everyone is on the same page. Hey, we're squad rotating right now. We want to see how this works out. That way I don't think Daniel Starris feels like his job is taken away from him right away. The coaching staff does get to have a look at that if, you know, to see whether Polenta is comfortable with, with now another center back or whether he still kind of needs Starris as a crutch. And, and then you decide, do you want to have Giancarlo or Polenta in there? Um, I, I just think that's a really good idea. But as far as the way the defense is playing, I actually talked to Daniel Starris and David Bingham about it last week. And I, I went to them and said, you know, largely it's kind of the same guys. It's Shelvick, Felcher, Starris in front of you, uh, uh, you know, making forming that back line, yet the team is playing way better. It's totally different. You know, as you mentioned, they're on pace to give up half as many goals. Dan Starris said it's more the shape that they're trying to, to keep and, it, and it's how they're trying to play. He said last year there were some tactics that were off and they were trying to force people into some spots where they weren't ready to play. And I think we saw that with Shelvick now going to an outside back from center back last year. And he said that they have an idea of what they want to do when they go on the field, that they found an identity and they know that everyone's working off of that. And David Bingham said pretty much the same thing. He said, we're more organized this year. Last year, we were kind of changing our formations all the time, changing a few things here or there. That's what you talked about. Remember, they were a four-man back line, then a three-man back line, then a four-man back line. And some of that was because of injuries. He said, this year, we really focused on what we wanted to do and we trained on it. We've had a game plan every week and we've been ex- uh, you know, able to execute it. So, again, it's not so much the players because you know, three of the four guys started there last year. It's the idea that they have when they take the field. They have a clear uh, game plan, a clear idea of what they want to do, and it's really paid off. Well, it's interesting if you look at the how the Galaxy are scoring goals. Just you know, to to look at the inverse of this, uh, Galaxy currently projected to score sixty three point one goals. So sixty three goals. Uh, if you take the sixty three and the thirty four, it's a plus twenty nine goal differential, which would be the third best goal differential in Galaxy history. If this all figures out, just to sort of give you an idea, again, this stuff is not set in stone. In fact, any sort of fluctuations either way right now affect the outcome hugely. So if the Galaxy go and give up four goals, all of a sudden the projection out on thirty four games. Um, you know, gets gets a lot differently. But right now, uh, if you were looking for the best goal differentials in Galaxy history, 1998 had a plus 41 goal differential, uh, and 2013 had a plus 32 goal differential. That 2013 team totally underperformed, Kevin. Whenever you go back and start looking at some of these things, you look at the 2010 team and the and and this and this 2013 team, and you can look at two teams that were probably way good enough to win an MLS Cup in both of those years and they just they couldn't get it done in the playoffs or they just underperformed down the stretch and it's uh it's sort of interesting. I'll tell you of all the teams so far where the stats are sort of starting to line up and where you can look at sort of the progression of all these things. Uh the LA Galaxy right now in 2019 currently sort of hugging that 2014 line. Um and that 2014 obviously an MLS Cup winning year. But it was a it was a year where you know the galaxy sort of started well, um, you know, and then and then just kept pressing through that year and and sort of made a good run throughout the entire year and were just consistent, um, and that led into an MLS Cup. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I'm gonna just move right past the fact you said way good enough and talk about that. You know, that 2014 team it keeps coming up here because the galaxy now have won five in a row at home. That's their longest winning. Actually, it's their five five wins in a row, which overall, which is their longest winning streak since 2014. Right. Talking about the 2014 team, and their record at six one and zero, the team is off to the best start since 2010. And that that team was had one of the best starts in MLS history. I don't know that they're going to catch that one, but uh, you know they're doing some things that they did back in the era when they were winning and going to MLS Cup finals every year. Yes. Yes. No, it is. There is there is something. I mean, you can look at these numbers and you can say they're early, but now you know. Uh, I was talking to one reporter and we were talking about, you know, oh, but the Galaxy schedule was tougher last year. And you sit there and go, yeah, well, when you're a bad team, your schedule tends to be tougher. Uh, the fact that the LA Galaxy are better this year already has already proven that they are playing teams that are not as good as them. And so therefore you're seeing sort of that 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 differential. In fact, uh, the LA Galaxy through their seven games have played opponents with a 1.39 points per game average. So that's the average of all the opponents so far. The 
uh, the best team that they've played so far was this Houston team at 2.17 points. Um, and then, of course, they lost to Dallas, who was 2.0 points. Uh, but Chicago at 1.29, Minnesota at 1.43, Philadelphia at 1.63. And then you have the two sort of runovers so far, Portland and Vancouver at 0.57 and 0.63. So the LA Galaxy have not been playing that easy of a schedule, but you can see right now that at least through the first seven games, the LA Galaxy have distanced themselves from sort of the middle of the pack in the Western Conference and are in that sort of, I would say, top four teams in the Western Conference right now. And if that's the case, then probably top six teams in the league right now. Well, if you're going to talk about the schedule and, you, and if you're going to make a point that maybe the, their schedule has been a little bit weak, you know, if that's your argument, then right, it starts to get tough right now because they've got Minnesota on the road. Then they only have four days off. They come back and play Real Salt Lake, as we know, a playoff team last year, off to a decent start this year. They play them at home. Um, then they go on the road for two games against the New York Red Bulls, who won the Sporter Shield last year. And after that, they play the uh, Columbus Crew, who are off to a, a good start, um, you know, are in a playoff position right now uh, with four wins. So if you think the schedule was tough to start, let's see what happens now, because now they get into the deep trees a little bit. Yeah, no, I, we'd also have to point out the LA Galaxy playing a ton of home games as well. Um, the fact that this will be their third away game. Uh, they're 1-1 one one currently. Remember, they lost to Dallas and beat Vancouver, so both of those were away games. They're going to go up to Allianz Field against Minnesota, a place Minnesota has never won. They've only played one game there um, and played at, uh, New York City, I think, to a 3-3 draw. So, I mean, they're going to be hungry for that win, but it's midweek, so we'll still talk about sort of the, the, the problems that are going to come about because of Minnesota and what Minnesota is trying to do and the fact Minnesota is going to be missing some players. We can talk about that in a little bit, but all these things are sort of filtering together that the LA Galaxy can still close out this month, Kevin, um, and have a perfect month. I mean, that's sort of what they're shooting at. They were they were one game away from having a perfect month in March and they played four games. In April, they'll pay, play five games and have already won the first three in the next two games coming on Wednesday and Sunday. will close out April um, and then as you were as you were hinting, May is the most difficult month for the LA Galaxy. They play six games during the month of May. Um, so they will be very, very busy teams. Some of those games are on the road. Uh, you talked about, you know, the Red Bulls and I think Columbus Crew. Both of those are on the uh, on the road there. So, I mean... And then Orlando and Sporting Kansas City. Um, you know, they have to... It, it's funny, they go to New York and then they, they... I'm sure they'll stay there because they play Columbus four days after... Correct. They play in Harrison, New Jersey. So yeah. I'm sure they won't come home. But then they do come home and they have to go back to Orlando. So that's two uh, complete cross-country road trips in the span of 20 days. And you talk about they play six games in May. They do play six games in May, but they start on May 4th and they end on May 29th. So that's six games in 25 days. Yeah, it's it's a ton. And then June is uh, is much lighter, 16th, 17th, 18th, obviously with uh, the Gold Cup uh, coming into play. And I would quite honestly point out the Women's ne- uh, World Cup as well that we'll get to watch, but that's not why the men are breaking. So there will only be three games in June. You have four games in July. Five games in August and September, and two games in October. So that's sort of the rest of how it all lays out. Well, so you, can, you know, the men could be breaking for the women's World Cup. They might want to watch it, like Servando Carrasco is going to want to watch. I, I'm, I could, I was just telling my wife last night. I said, yeah, I'm getting starting to get pumped up for the World Cup, and she was like, she was like, the women's World Cup. I'm like, yes. I go, that's going to be fun to watch. I love watching the women's World Cup, mostly because it's on, um, and you get to watch it while you're at work and, and fun things like that. Yeah, take your TV to work. But yeah, Servando Carrasco will be watching that. He's uh, going to be glad that the Galaxy are not playing every day. I'm sure they are. So anyway, so I mean, this is this may coming up. So that's why this next two games, I mean, if you're looking at winnable games, I'm certainly not going to tell you that going away to Minnesota is a game the LA Galaxy should certainly win, but I am telling you the game against Real Salt Lake on Sunday, April 28th is a game the LA Galaxy need to win. Um, so when you look at those and sort of look at the winning streak and sort of the momentum that the LA Galaxy have had, and we've talked about this, I think, the whole time, Kevin. The fact is, the Galaxy have had to win to keep pace in the Western Conference, too. Uh, LAFC currently with 22 points from nine games played, 2.44 points per game. The LA Galaxy, 18 points from seven games played, 2.57 points per game. The LA Galaxy, 2.57 points per game is tops in Major League Soccer. They would go to the top of the Supporter Shield uh, along those points per game right now. Um, you, you know, by the way, with when we talked about Araujo, we neglected to mention he made the MLS team of the week. He well, he made the bench. 
on the well, that's pretty good. I mean, that that's what seventeen year old kid in your first start. I'll take it. Yeah, especially being that I think the MLS staff is usually um, um, glued to any Sunday game if it's good. Um, at least the the player of the week and and the North American Soccer reporters got to vote on that. Uh, I I got my guy again. Um, I was I was looking at through all the stats and sort of looking at, but uh, Pozuelo for uh, for Toronto has been excellent. He ended up being the MLS player of the week. My second was Jonathan Dos Santos, who I thought had one of the most dominant midfield performances of the weekend, and I watched a ton of games this weekend, although, Kevin, I couldn't tell who was playing half the time because they were all wearing the same kits the whole time, and it was driving me crazy. I was watching, I did a split screen on MLS Live where you can watch two games at the same time, and so you have one, you know, teal-blue, dark-blue combination over here and one teal-blue, dark-blue combination over here. I had no idea which teams were playing or what was going on, but I did watch a whole bunch of games and, and try to find those. Um, but I think Jonathan Dos Santos has been unbelievable as of late. Who scored, by the way, agrees with me in the rating on Jonathan Dos Santos was one of the highest for midfielders outside of Pozuelo, who uh, may be a midfielder, but it's also a really good scoring option for uh, Toronto FC, and they came back in, a, in that game against Minnesota that was sort of crazy. Um, a yeah, four, you, four, your three votes win. were much better than mine. Um, I didn't do I think I must have voted for Bernie Sanders again or something. <laughs> I, I didn't do well. That's okay. Um, That's okay. It's, 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 you have to get a feeling for these things about how they're going to go. I, I honestly don't pay attention to how anybody else votes. I usually just go and look and try to see some of the stats. I try to go to who scored and see what some of the ratings were. And then once I look at the ratings, I go back and watch some of the highlights. And between all those things, I think I can usually get a pretty good idea. The only thing you're not going to see is, as you had him, the team of the week, Jesse Gonzalez, the goalkeeper uh, for FC Dallas. Uh, Jesse Gonzalez has been great. Um, the only problem was they were playing a bad Atlanta United team, and I continue to believe that's a bad Atlanta United team. Yeah, but team. they still had 21 shots. They did. They absolutely did. But Dallas, and he made seven saves. But Dallas won that game. Dallas won yep. that game. They did yes, good. Did. And Jesse Gonzalez was a major reason behind that. Uh, I will tell you that uh, who scored had him as the second best goalkeeper um, out of all the goalkeepers there of the, of the week. And you forgot about Vancouver Vancouver's uh, goalkeeper who stuffed LAFC um, in that uh, midweek game and then came. And even though they lost one to nothing to Orlando, had a bunch of saves in that Orlando game as well. So that's why I was sort of uh, I was I was ribbing you via text. So. Uh, but anyway, I, Jonathan Dos Santos made the bench as well. Julian Araujo makes the bench on Team of the Week. Jonathan Dos Santos makes the team uh, makes the bench on Team of the Week, and I think that those were probably both earned for um, for the LA Galaxy and for the league in terms of where those guys sort of uh, uh, sat and, and how they played. So I, I think both of them deserved what they got there. I would have put uh, Jonathan Dos Santos into my starting uh, Team of the Week, however, and not on the bench. So that would that would just be me. I do agree with you that he's probably been the player of the year, which is uh, amazing to say when you look at what Zlatan has done, just the statistics of, of Zlatan. And, and it, it does hurt the Galaxy, I do think, uh, when they start a game after 8 o'clock on a Friday, because on the East Coast, it's a, after 11 o'clock on a Friday. Yep. How many people are looking forward to go, to uh, going to their favorite bar or staying home and turning on the tube at 11.15 and just saying, I'm going to stay up until 1.15 on a Friday night watching this soccer match? I don't think a lot of people on the East Coast were doing that. And so that does kind of hurt the galaxy. When you talk about some of these league-wide awards, people uh, aren't staying up to watch it. And then when they're getting up on Saturday, they've already moved on to the Saturday games. And they're not, probably not going back and, and really studying what the galaxy does. And so when, when you have Zlatan with these, uh, you know, the, the scoring uh, things that he does, that's easy to see statistically. But somebody like an Araujo or a, right. uh, a, a, a Dos Santos, do you have to have more of a feel of what happened in the game to – actually see how brilliant that they really were. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic right now, seven goals through five games played, 450 minutes played. Kevin, he's averaging 1.40 goals per game, uh, averaging one goal every 64 minutes right now. Um, not only that, yes. but since he came back, not ta- we're not talking about the first game with Chicago, since he came back from the uh, Achilles tendon problem, he's taken 22 shots, seven of them on goal. The rest of the Galaxy combined have 28 shots, eight on goal. So of the 15 shots on goal, Zlatan has seven of them. Of the 50 shots total taken, Zlatan has 22. Now, I know you and I disagree on this, but that is just way too much uh, offense to put in the hands of one guy, even somebody as great as Zlatan. And, yes, I get it. He has seven goals um, you know, he and an assist. He's had a hand in just about everything the Galaxy has done. Yes, I understand that. But I did think you saw in the Houston game a lot of times players coming up forward in – in good position there was a one time it was either legit or joe corona at the top of the box had an open shot 
and pulled back and tried to force the ball into Zlatan, who who was marked very very uh, very tightly and never had a chance of, of getting anything off. That was a scoring chance that they wasted. And then when you had Boateng was the one guy who was willing to take a shot on goal every once in a while. Whenever he did, if the ball didn't go in or didn't get close, you know, he had Zlatan, uh, you know, shouting at him from across the field. Um, I just I just don't think that this is a recipe that's going to work long term. I think other guys have to feel confident that they can try to score too. They don't have to worry about if they try a shot to, that they're going to be second guessed by their captain every time. And the idea that once you get into scoring position, your goal is to force the ball into Zlatan no matter how well he's marked rather than taking a shot yourself. Um, I just don't see that this is going to work long term. That's see, that's the BS answer that like you hear from a lot of people too. Like that that <laughs> is like, that is exactly that. it's the forcing the ball into Zlatan. There's not too many times where forcing the ball into Zlatan isn't a horrible idea. If he's covered by four people, yeah, you might not want to put it into him. And Boateng didn't get yelled at whenever Zlatan put him through in the penalty box in order for him to score a goal and he couldn't get it past the goalkeeper. The bottom line for Zlatan is it's about quality chances. Where is the best quality? And for Zlatan, it's whenever you get into the box, are you looking up? Are you keeping your eyes open? And are you finding the best option? Guess what? Nine times out of ten, the best option is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Why? Because nobody in Major League Soccer can mark him. And if he continues at his pace, and I'm trying to do the math while I was doing all this. I want to make sure I do it. Okay, so we have, we've played seven games so far. So we have to take 34 minus seven. Okay, so we have 27 games left. So if you do 27 and you multiply it by the 1.4 goals per game he is scoring, Zlatan's going to score 37 goals for you. Okay. So you're anticipating that no one anywhere in the league is going to figure this out. There's no one team in the league that's going to be able to figure out have, how to mark this guy. Have, have you watched? Have you watched how most people try to mark Zlatan, which is hey, put three or four guys, on, put three guys around him, and what happens? He ends up scoring goals. It doesn't. He gets them quite tired. I think they were talking about that in the Vancouver game. Um, where he said, hey, they put in a lot of effort in marking me in the first half. And what happened in the second half? We scored goals. And the reason we scored goals because they got tired because they can't mark Zlatan. Well, and the other thing is four of his seven goals on, have come on penalty kicks. And yes, I'm, I, I'm not taking anything away from him because he drew those penalties yep. and he deserved the penalty yep. kick. Uh, and in some of those, at least two of those instances, he would have scored if he hadn't been fouled. So uh, I'm not taking that away from him. But I... You know, you talk about he's going to have 38 goals. That would mean he had 27 of them or 26 of them on penalty kicks. Is he really going to take 26 or 27 penalty kicks this year? I mean, if they keep fouling him like they do. I mean, this is the whole thing is that you sit there and I, I saw that there were people who are sort of, you know, again, it's people who don't watch his games as much as I, I think other people. I don't think it's Galaxy fans. I think it's other people around the league that are discounting the penalty kicks. And it's like, yeah, just look at what he forces teams to do. Look at AJ De La Garza as one of the top defenders or has been one of the top defenders in the league since, you know, 2009, probably 2010. 2011, whenever he really came into his own. Adrian De La Garza is a smart, respectable defender. He may have lost a step or two. May, you can argue that all you want. But AJ De La Garza, even though he's small, has always been pound for pound one of the best defenders in Major League Soccer. And how did he resort to covering Zlatan Ibrahimovic? By bear-hugging him and dragging him to the ground. I mean, that's one of the smartest defenders in the league was not able to handle Zlatan. And clearly it's a size match match and everything else. But tell me who in Major League Soccer matches up well against Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And I think you, if you go through all those things, you can quickly understand that Zlatan Ibrahimovic outmatches and outtowers almost everybody else. Now, I am 100% for other people scoring. And if you look at what the LA Galaxy have done and how they've been how they have been un unable to get other people into those positions to score, I think maybe that's a concern. But you can also point to guys like like Ima Boateng who comes in and has several good look opportunities and can't get a ball, you know, past the goalkeeper or, you know, gets stuffed or gets the shot blocked. So you can look at all those things all you want, but right now with Zlatan scoring 1.40 goals per game, it's one of those things where you sit there and go, okay, keep feeding him. And Zlatan's never really that covered. More times often than not, the forcing of the ball into Zlatan Ibrahimovic, in my opinion, comes as the result of a bad cross where it's forced. If it's a good cross, Zlatan gets his head on it and he scores a goal. 
Um, John Rojas and I were talking about this when we were watching, and you were saying, listen, you know, for Shelvick, um, for Felcher, or whenever he was playing, or Araujo, is drive the ball above people. Get the ball in a driving cross to Zlatan Ibrahimovic's head. You will score a ton of goals that way, but if you're going to miss, miss high, because all this missing low or missing short stuff looks like you're trying to force the ball into Zlatan Ibrahimovic. If it's high and it's driven, Zlatan scores about a million goals. And the other thing, the other reason to miss high is because if you're missing Zlatan high, you're missing everybody else high. One of the things that that, that they had a problem with with Ziggy Schmidt's coaching staff last year was adapting to Zlatan. He wanted the ball high in the box, and that's not the way they were used to playing before we got there, and they had to make it a, a total adjustment. A lot of those balls were coming in waist high or even on the ground, um, you know, the way some other teams play, and that just doesn't work for for the Galaxy and for Zlatan. So if you're going to miss, you're right. If you're going to miss miss high because you miss everybody, if you miss low, you could wind up uh, you know, getting into some dangerous situations. Um, and, again, the Galaxy are going to play high because they have that height advantage with Polenta and, and with Zlatan and with some other players. You know, Steris is very, Shelvick, is very good in the Shelvick air. as well. Shelvick. Yeah, you look at that and you look at the way the Galaxy plays everything high. You look at the way, say, LAFC plays everything on the ground. It's just a different style and it, it's it's – dictated by the personnel that you have you're right I mean Zalatan is the best player in the league right now and you if you if you have the best player in the league you want to feed him the ball and you want to give him opportunities but I mean even the 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 Lakers and they miss the playoffs but even the Lakers occasionally give the ball to someone who's not named LeBron um I just I I just feel like um the the Galaxy need to get some of those other player offensive players like Legette, Alessandrini when he comes back need to get them a little bit more involved and I and I see now why Ola Kamara left and why he wasn't fitting into their plans and why he was smart enough to sort of figure that that out uh, it was clear that the offense was going to go through Zlatan but I mean, right now the 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 second leading scorer on the team is Daniel Steris a center back with two goals. Um, that's great for right now, and clearly the Galaxy are succeeding, and Zalatan's the one leading that success. I just don't know that it works for seven months. It, I'll tell you this: Ola Kamara found a way to score what fourteen goals last year. He did, yeah, he did. fourteen goals. So don't give me again. It's just it's 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 this. It's easy because the Galaxy are using their best tool on a regular basis. Hey, I'm all for Sebastian Legette taking a shot at the top of the box there if he wants to take a, top, a shot at the top of the box. I don't mind Zlatan yelling at people. Robbie Keane used to yell at everybody too and wanted the ball all the time too. There was no problems and Landon Donovan scored a bunch of goals and other people scored a whole bunch of goals whenever Robbie Keane was out there. So this isn't an argument. Zlatan's going to want the ball in the best position. Guess what? Nine times out of ten, the best position is to Zlatan. All right. Now, if you would, again, he didn't complain whenever he did complain only because Ima couldn't finish it, but he put a great ball into Ima into the box that should have saw Ima score and Ima didn't score. And so what if you're Zlatan and you're sitting there going, OK, so I give you the ball on the platter and you don't score. You know, am I going to be upset? Yeah, I'm going to be upset. You should put those away. This is how we, we continue and we keep growing. Now, I think the LA Galaxy offense is going to continue to develop. I don't think we've seen Jonathan Dos Santos. I don't think we've seen Joe Corona. And I don't think we've seen Sebastian Legette getting get into the offense as much as they as they can. And I think that they will. So I think it's going to develop. But as it's developing... The bottom line is you got a big, tall, six-foot-five striker who's taller, stronger than everybody else, feed the lion, continue to feed the lion, and then on occasion, whenever everybody goes to the lion because they know you're going to go to the lion, then shoot them all in the back of the net, but actually make those chances count. Um, the Galaxy, there's been other people who have taken shots in these games. Uh, they don't go in the net. And so, so that's sort of the whole issue right now is you want to say the LA Galaxy, the rest of the LA Galaxy offense deserves a chance, then tell the rest of the LA Galaxy offense to show up and start putting the ball in the back of the net. Otherwise, well, the other thing is, 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 is with every pass going to Zalatan, we, the Galaxy are not making as best use they can of their best passer. You know who that is? Zalatan. He's by far the best passer on the team. I'd like to see him get more assists. I mean, he had a ton of assists last year. He's got one so far this year. Um, uh, you know, again, they're, they're, they've changed the way they played a little bit, and he doesn't have Ola to feed the ball to. I think all, a lot of Ola's goals came off of uh, passes from Zlatan, as they did in the preseason this year. Um, I'd like to see Zlatan get uh, – I would just – I guess my point is I'd like to see them diversify their offense a little bit, and that, that means Zlatan's passing the ball in addition to scoring it fine. I'd just like to see some other guys get some chances. I can't remember if it was this last game or another one, but there was a ball that got floated to the back post – 
Um, and again, it wasn't a great cross. It was floated more than driven. Uh, Zlatan had to go run and was sort of sh shooting or heading off of his back foot. And so there wasn't a whole bunch of power. And, you know, him trying to generate that power, he was trying to generate it to the back post. And he was trying to hit it across the goalkeeper. And all he really had to do was head that ball straight down into the center. Because I think either Ima Boateng was there or somebody was there right in the center that it would have been a perfect. If he just knocks that ball back towards the center spot, it's a goal for the Galaxy. You could see it. You could sort of see it setting up. And he didn't do it. And he raised his hand immediately and apologized because he knew that that wasn't the play. So you're again, as much as people want to call him sort of like a ball hog and, you know, a, a guy who just demands the ball all the time, he understands where the best play is. And so if you put him and if you have guys making runs and we've seen him try to pass through some of the traffic um, inside the box to set up other players and the bottom line is it hasn't come off yet. I just think that um, trying to think that you, you're actively trying to get other people involved to move away from Zlatan is a bad tactic for the Galaxy. It's you keep feeding Zlatan and you let the offense develop around him. I think that that's the best way the Galaxy can go forward, especially against Minnesota. Uh, you know, there's, there's no doubt that Zlatan is a selfish player but you yes. know what so is everybody who is a great scorer you don't think uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is not selfish holy cow watch a Juventus game yep. at some time or Lionel Messi is a little bit less demonstrative but uh, Leo uh, you know Suarez is, is a very selfish player Robbie Keane that's why they score so many goals because they are selfish, it, there, there is a certain mindset that makes them good players and it involves they b totally believe with all their being that they are the guy that has to have the ball every time because they're the one that has the best chance of scoring. And that's why they're so good. Um, yeah. And yeah. so when you say Zlatan is selfish and always wants the ball, of course yeah. he does. Yeah, of that's course. his yeah. whole thing. Yeah. That's yeah. how he has 500 goals. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, because he didn't pass. He does, you don't get 500 goals by passing. Or by tracking back and playing defense. Yeah. That's what he does. That's that's not his thing. Um, okay, switching topics a little bit. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini, another injury for him. Uh, we already talked about him not playing a whole bunch of minutes, you know, forty less than 45% of the total available minutes so far this year. Um, I have a question for you. Does Ramon Alessandrini, there's, there's two questions. Does, is Roman Alessandrini on this team past the summer transfer window? And is Roman Alessandrini on this team after the end of this season? Well, we need to talk about the summer, the primary transfer window closing, the next one opening. But yeah, I think he finishes the season, but I don't think he comes back. And I'm not sure he would have come back anyways. He is, you know, we know that GBS and, and Dennis DeClosa are remaking this team and they have a vision of what they want. I was never quite sure whether Roman fit into it. He was one of the players that GBS did say that he liked. Um, there were a lot of players that privately he said that he didn't like. Roman was one that he liked. But remember, Roman, if he comes back, would have to take uh, a DP salary again. He's certainly not going to take a huge cut in pay. Um, he's motivated to stay here, but I don't think the Galaxy, I don't think he fits in their plans contractually and in the, in the style of play they have. So, and and the injury problems are, are are really hurting them. I mean, they're coming at a really bad time for him in a, a very early in a con, in a contract year. So I think he finished the, the season, but I don't think he comes back. Yeah, I think that if he's healthy during the summer, that the Galaxy might actually even try to move him. Um, I, I think that he is, uh, you know, has been what he did in 2017 with a with LA Galaxy team that was um, god awful, um, one of the worst teams I've ever watched play. Uh, what he did in 2017 was basically drag that team to any sort of success that they actually had. They had zero success, but it would have been so much worse with the LA Galaxy had Ramon Alessandrini not been there uh, during 2017 to score all those goals, to score all those assists, double digits in both. Um, so this was a guy who who really wanted to, to prove himself, and I think he did in 2017. 2018, again, more injuries that have sort of derailed him, and, and I think that his injuries, uh, along with you know other players' injuries in 2018, led to the LA Galaxy not making the playoffs. The bottom line is that he feels, I feel like he's made a glass anymore. Um, this looks like a knee issue um, from what we've been told, Kevin, and I think we, we, we were told at least uh, Damien, Damien Calhoun was reporting today, and we give a shout out to Damien, who's always uh, who's always uh, great. But uh, Damien put, was reporting today that uh, that Roman Alessandrini would will go to the doctors today, so on Monday as we're recording, and that they might have more information for him, but that it is a knee issue. Um, and to me, that doesn't sound very good for a guy who has had uh, knee issues before. And I think it's the opposite knee of the knee that he had problems with. I think his left knee was the one that he had operations on, or it was his right knee. What is everyone? It's the opposite knee right now for him. And if that's the case, I mean, this doesn't seem like something that's solved in a couple weeks or a week. No, there's a couple issues there. First of all, yeah, it is the left knee. And remember, he had a hamstring problem earlier. Um, you find this with hamstrings a lot um, because the muscle never fully recovers. So 
what happens in in physical therapy is you try to you try to get the muscle as strong as possible, but you work on other areas of the body to compensate for that. And so what you see in a lot of players in every sport is then they get injuries in other places because they're you, you know if if your hamstring has a problem, perhaps you you run or you move a little bit differently to compensate for that. That puts more strain on another part of the body, and then you get hurt somewhere else. That seems to me to be fairly common. When, what I don't get, and and you and I were talking about this before we started to record, he got hurt Friday. Why is he going to the doctor on Monday? The only thing I can think of is, I mean, you see in other sports, you know, between periods of a Kings game, someone, you you find a medical, you get a medical report for a guy hurt in the first period. By the end of the second period, you know what happened. He's been examined. He's got x-rays. He's seen a doctor. There's an orthopedist surgeon that comes in, takes a look at him. We know what's going on. The Galaxy have a guy get hurt on Friday, and he didn't go see the doctor till. Monday is, is that really true? Because I mean, can he can he can he go to the after hours clinic somewhere or emergency room or something? Why is it that they have to wait? You said that you thought perhaps it was swelling and they 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 didn't want to take a look at it till the swelling had gone down. But this seems to happen a lot with MLS players that they only get examined between nine and five uh, during weekdays because that's what the medical plan covers. Yeah, I mean, it, it could. I I don't know enough about it to to really understand. I know that in some cases and especially in the cases of X-rays or MRIs, a lot of times they let the swelling go down because. Uh, they want to get a better look at what the actual injury is. I don't know if there's even any swelling. I, I don't. I can't tell you that. Um, just all guesses in, in terms of what's going on. But it does seem to take a very long time. And certainly, we've talked about it many times with MLS not requiring injury reports. There's always some mystery involved around it as well. But that Roman Alessandrini goes and gets it checked out again. It doesn't seem like it's something that's going to be quick. We also know that Ima Boateng uh, was sort of limping off the field at the end of the Houston win as well. Um, nobody's mentioned a whole bunch about it. It seems. Seems likely that Emmanuel Botang is probably fine, which is good because Botang's probably going to have to start in that position for Roman Alessandrini on Wednesday night whenever they take on Minnesota. Well, yeah. And then who's his backup? Because one thing about Botang, I think, to tell me if I'm wrong, I don't know. He's a he's a 90 minute guy. So even if he is healthy and does start. Um, at about 60 or 65 minutes, he's going to need to come off. Who do you put in? Who's left? Who do you put in in this place? Yeah, I mean, the, the guy who's sort of out there right now is still Pontius, and whether or not Pontius will be ready because he was injured. We heard that it was some sort of muscle injury uh, that was after the game versus Houston, and Pontius not in the 18. So uh, Pontius possibly could be ready for this Minnesota game as well, so that it might be Chris Pontius to come in, um, and that's a guy that you know you could fit into those midfield areas. That way you could have Antuna switch sides if you needed to. So Pontius could come in on the right-hand side and Tuna can play on the left or you switch him on the other side with Boateng on the left and Tuna on the right, however you want to sort of morph those different things. Uh, one of the one of my criticisms of Guillermo Barra-Scoletta was actually having uh, Boateng switch sides, um, come in on the right side and Antuna be on the left-hand side whenever that happened and I don't seem to like that very much. It just it doesn't seem to, to fit very well. I think Antuna is is better on the left-hand side. I think Boateng could play on the right-hand side, but there's a mismatch right now, and that it doesn't feel settled or easy or or or, or um, cohesive for those players. Uh, you see a lot of cutting inside. Once you see the guys switch sides, you see a lot of cutting inside, which works if you get some good overlaps from the outside backs, with Araujo being, I think, a little more hesitant to go forward. That doesn't always open up spots on the right-hand side for Alessandrini, but if you saw where Alessandrini was playing before he even got hurt, he was inside in the middle a whole bunch as well, so playing under Underneath Slaton, cutting into the middle, making it all the way over to the left-hand side, switching with the Antuna as they sort of do. So I always like it better whenever Roman Alessandrini is out there. It seems to put everybody in their more natural positions with Alessandrini on the right and Antuna on the left, but the ability to switch in-game and cause some issues. Uh, with Boateng out there, I see less of that uh, whenever it comes in, and I don't like it necessarily when they do switch in that particular case. So that's, that's just me. Yeah, and it's, again, back to your original question, I just, you know, GBS doesn't know Ramon very well. All he's seen of him so far is is half the minutes, um, and he's got to be frustrated with the injuries. And, you know, midfield is a very deep area, and, and you got people like Efrain, you know, uh, coming up as well. Um, it just seems to me that, that this is a really bad timing for Ramon to get off to this kind of start in his first year in a new coaching staff when he's carrying a DP salary. Yeah, uh, Efrain Alvarez, by the way, um, has not been in the 18-man roster. It, it has been, as I was told, uh, it has been because he has been away with Mexico um, with the U-17s, and we got a news and, and sort of announcements that came out that he will be part of the U-17, I think, CONCACAF Championships um, for Mexico. Um, so you should expect him to be gone. And does that start in May? 
Kevin, was that May? Yes, it does. Very early in May, and it's basically the whole month. I mean, if you're going to play in that tournament, you're and your team goes all the way, you're going to be gone all month. Yeah, and and Alvarez, this is something Dennis DeClosa talked about before the start of the season that Alvarez was going to have a busy busy schedule and that might not necessarily be available for everything um, that the Galaxy need to do, and so him playing minutes in Major League Soccer at the senior team level would be impacted by his national team responsibilities as well. Now, the Galaxy don't have to release him. Um, some of these things are not international breaks, so they do not have to release him, but they're going to release him. This is part of his development. So going with Mexico and playing with U17 seems like uh, that's something that's going to happen um, and that he should be gone from the team. So if you're looking for him as a possible replacement, because as we go, Kevin, you talk about Boateng being injured. Um, if he can't play, okay, so you have Alessandrini injured and he can't play. If Pontius can't play, all of a sudden you're you're missing some wingers. And one of the options you could have is actually to bring Alvarez into a center position for Legette and move Legette out wide to one of those uh, out wide positions and have Antuna play the other position. So, I mean, there's some options there. You could also bring in Cuello if it's not Antuna. So there are some options there, but I don't think anybody likes splitting up the uh, the triangle right now of Sebastian Legette, Joe Corona, and Jonathan Dos Santos. They've been playing so well together. In fact, I think they're one of the top MLS midfields um, in the entire league um, whenever those three play together and have really had sort of this cohesive unit. So you, you want to see that continue. Um, and I, it's tough to break that up, but you might have to in terms of rotation and injuries and all the things that are coming with the game on Wednesday and the game on Sunday. That's 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 my view of it. Now, just let's talk a little bit about Wednesday because Minnesota has some serious, serious issues going into this game. Yeah, they do. They're missing some players, right? There's there's some naughty players on their team. Two really huge players, Gregus and, and Calvo, both out with red cards. Now, both these players got. You talked about the their only home game so far, which was the game with Toronto. No, no, uh, it was the, it was the game against New York City. They just went to Toronto and lost. Tor- in, in Toronto was their yep. last game. Yep. Correct. Both of these players got their. Uh, uh, card problems. Greg has got a red card in the 89th minute and Calvo got a, a second yellow card in stoppage time. They've they've only missed one minute. Each of them has missed one minute of play this year. So uh, in seven games, they played 629 minutes. They are key parts of this team. Uh, both of them out. Greg has, by the way, scored the only goal that Minnesota had when they played here uh, at uh, Dignity Health Sports Park. Sports Health Park, whatever, when yep. they played at the Stubhub Center. Yep. Um, so these are players that are, are really important to Minnesota. And I, I, one's a defender, one's a midfielder, and I think that they're going to be huge losses. This uh, looks like a game that the Galaxy really are going to go in sort of on the front foot. It, it feels that way. If it wasn't for all the injuries, I think you would put this squarely in the a game the Galaxy can win. Um, the short week is going to hurt them. Um, the fact that they have a game on Sunday is going to hurt them. So trying to focus and figure out all these things is sort of the the difficult part of, of this entire you know exercise against Minnesota. The fact that you know that Minnesota hasn't won at Allianz Field yet, their brand new stadium. They've only played one game in, um, and they're certainly going to be looking for that win regardless. So um, if you look at how the Galaxy might fail in this particular game, Kevin. It's going to be because Minnesota comes out um, and really tries to turn the screws to the Galaxy in a midweek game, trying to get their first win. You know, how full Allianz Field will be on a Wednesday night? I imagine it's going to be packed because there seems to be a lot of excitement around that. But, I mean, Minnesota came into the, to that game against the LA Galaxy. Remember, that was the game without uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, and they came in, and the Galaxy ended up winning that game 3-2. to two. Um, this was a game the Galaxy were in control of for quite a while and then let Minnesota sneak in in the second half. Um, so that's that's sort of the history with Minnesota this year. That, that means the entire series, Kevin, is wrapped up after this game on Wednesday night. A game, the, game, uh, the game on April 24th, a 5 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. It's on Spectrum Sportsnet, so that's where you're going to be able to find it on television. Obviously, the day of the week is on, uh, on a Wednesday. So this is Wednesday night's game, April 24th, 5 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Uh, Minnesota with a 3-3-1 record. They're 0-0-1 at home. Um, and again, they've only played that one game uh, at Allianz Field, and they are 1-3-1 in their last five games where the LA Galaxy are undefeated. Uh, another thing you need to watch, uh, second in the Western Conference, second in the Supporter Shield for the LA Galaxy, a chance to pick up some points midweek, um, a chance to climb a little bit closer to LAFC as well, um, and then uh, Minnesota, sixth in the Western Conference, 12th in the Supporter Shield. This is a game, by all accounts, if you're looking at the Galaxy and say, hey, you know, what are the chances they win this game, that on the road you give the Galaxy a good chance with those players being absent from Minnesota. I think the Galaxy are a deeper team than Minnesota. I think that they can win this game, Kevin. Um, but it's also a game that's sort of fits into that 
uh, a little bit of a trap game, which is, hey, Minnesota's a little weakened. It's midweek. You have to travel. There's a whole bunch of things that are going to be out of your control in terms of the LA Galaxy. Also, with the injuries the Galaxy have, uh, this could be one of those games that sneaks up on the Galaxy. This is a game that right now, I think if you're the Galaxy and you said you don't have to travel, you don't have to go, and we'll give you one point out of it, I think if you're the Galaxy, um, you say, no, screw that one point. I'm going to go get three points. That's what I would think. <laughs> so kickoff is at five? Kickoff is at 5 p.m. So they've already committed to a kickoff time? Huh. All this all this early. So early to be yeah. able to find out when it is. Yeah, uh, 5 yeah, wow. p.m. Wow, so some clubs do that ahead of time. It's, it's, they just, it's they seems, see when the kickoff It's is. what happens when the game's not on national <laughs> TV and, and gets bumped, apparently. That's what I'm going to go with. So, um, no, so, that, so that's where it is. I mean, this is a game, I don't know... How important is this game to the LA Galaxy, Kevin? Is this a, is this a winnable game? Is this something the Galaxy should be looking at, or is it a game you get a point and you go home and you you look to host Real Salt Lake and stay no, perfect at home? No, they they want three points. I mean, the the way the Galaxy are playing right now, that the they're feeling their oats. You know, the momentum is on their side. They're really they're really they're playing so well on defense. So a lot of times doing everything up front. Um, you can you can just see how confident some of these guys like again uh, Jonathan dos Santos I mean he knows he's playing out of his mind he's really confident uh, you know Araujo, if he gets to, to play again these guys are really playing well together they're having a good time they're having fun um yeah it, this is an important game for them only to keep that momentum going um yeah they're not gonna win every game for the rest of the season but the longer they can keep this streak going, Obviously, the better it's going to be for them in the standings, but the better it's going to be for them mentally because each each game is, is another opportunity for them to believe in themselves. And they are going to hit a, a tough stretch coming up. And they're not going to win every game in this next stretch, especially with so many of them on the road. But right now, I, I think that you mentioned it's a winnable game. If they go in there and get anything less than three points, I think that they come out feeling that they left points on the table. Yeah, Zlatan on the winning streak after the uh, the win over Houston, he says, uh, now we are winning. We should not relax and just focus on ourselves because I think our only threat is ourselves. Because if we relax, if we start to underestimate the team we play, uh, we play against, we will get punished. We need to respect them, but still play like ourselves. Because if we do, we are a threat for any team in this league. Yeah, what he said. That's what I meant. I did exactly what he said. I, that's what I meant. I, that's why I figured there was a good parallels in that. So I figured I'd yeah. uh, I'd share it with you. No, so that's what it is. So the LA Galaxy face off against Minnesota again. A game on Sunday against Real Salt Lake, um, which I believe is a 5 p.m. Yeah, it is a 5 p.m. Pacific time start on Sunday. Again, another game on Spectrum Sportsnet. Uh, however you choose to view those particular games, go about them in whatever way you see fit, because um, it's going to be difficult to find them if you don't have Spectrum. Um, and so we'll see where that streaming goes and and all that stuff. But yeah. The LA Galaxy, two games uh, coming up Wednesday and Sunday, uh, Minnesota United and Real Salt Lake. And of course, there'll be a show on Thursday to get you ready for that Sunday game as well. So a lot of podcasts, a lot of stuff coming quickly for the LA Galaxy, two games this week, uh, and then a quick transition and off into the month of May where they have six games uh, and a bunch of those are on the road. So uh, you know how to avoid that spectrum problem on Sunday, right? You just go to the game. You just you just go. Yeah, attend. Yeah, there's, there's no problem. It's right in front of you. You don't have to change stations or anything. I thought you were going to say about Wednesday, just go to the game. I'm like, well, that requires traveling, and and I really wanted to go to Allianz Field. It was on my list of places to go, and then they put it midweek, and I'm like, okay, so I'm not going to that game. It's it's Minnesota is a tough place to get to. That's that's what Minneapolis, anyways. It's that's, very difficult. That's why I hear it'll be interesting to see. I think that how the Galaxy travel for this game, they're going to leave on Tuesday, and they're going to come back on Thursday. Uh, that leaves them tra- training on Friday and Saturday, uh, which then puts them, uh, you know, on Sunday playing a game. They probably have Monday off. Off, um, I would imagine, um, and then it's right back into this gauntlet of of trying to play all these games, you know, really quickly. Kevin, it's gonna. I want to see how they end up traveling. Remember, Zlatan was sort of critical of how the Galaxy had traveled last year. Um, whenever he came about. Um, so I want to see what happens after, you know, Sunday. They're going to go to New York uh, on Saturday, May 4th. Do they come home? Is it a matter of coming home on, let's see, they have an 11 p.m. Pacific time. They may be able to get back home Saturday night, um, which means that they wouldn't have to leave until Tuesday. So could they do that? I, I, I don't know. I mean, the the, the big uh, uh, wild card in this whole thing is, the fact that it's commercial travel. And that's what's really hurting the Galaxy this week. When you have a midweek game on the road, and LAFC had it when they had to go to Vancouver, a very similar situation. A midweek game on the road between two home games and going to a city that is a very difficult place to travel to and from. Both airports are very similar in that uh, you know, the, the flight times, especially overnight, are limited. So 
LAFC had to spend an extra night in Vancouver. They didn't get back and they couldn't fly after the game. They didn't get back until Thursday, too late to train, lost the day there. Galaxy in the same situation. Can't right. fly back uh, Wednesday night, have to wait until Thursday, lose a day of training. Then they come back Friday. That probably is a regeneration day. Then yep. Saturday is a light day because of the game the next day. So essentially the Galaxy train like maybe one full good training session it's, this it's a, week. And, and it's a walkthrough, right? Because you Friday's regen and Saturday's walkthrough because your game's on Sunday. So you're not right, going to so train. The only day they really trained probably was today. today. Yeah, that was it. That was it. It was probably Monday. Tuesday, you know, they're going to fly. I'd probably train before they go. Yep. But still a training session that's not going to be a full, you know, full out training session. This kind of stuff is important, especially for uh, for the Galaxy, a, a team with a new coaching staff, fighting some injuries, having to fit some new guys in there, adding players, you know, Giancarlo Gonzalez coming in, um, and, you know, trying to figure out a game plan, not knowing the availability of Roman Alessandrini, presumably because he couldn't get examined until today. A lot of questions for them to have to answer in a very short period of time why they're traveling and not training. It's it's really a lot more difficult than it looks. By the way, uh, we're, we're going with the pronunciation that we were told, which is uh, Jean Carlos or Jean Carlos. Um, if you want to call him Pipo, that also works. So Pipo Gonzalez, uh, Jean Carlos Gonzalez, not Gian Carlos. Uh, Gian Carlos, as we were saying before, but uh, Jean Carlos, um, as I, I was instructed whenever I asked. So that's what we're going. So Pipo works for me. I'm probably going to switch over to that one more than anything, or Gonzalez, because um, I think we're going to get pretty used to that. So that's what we got. LA Galaxy face off against Minnesota United on Wednesday night. Again, 5 p.m. Pacific time kickoff on at, on Spectrum Sportsnet. So find that at Allianz Field in uh, Minnesota. Should be a fun game to watch, quite honestly. I'm, I'm interested to see how the Galaxy play. I'm interested to watch that uh, the Galaxy play in that stadium. It's a gorgeous stadium, so uh, interested to sort of see how that goes. And Kevin, you will be there providing us live Twitter updates, I'm sure. I uh, wouldn't count on that too much. <laughs> I was going to say, every once in a while, Kevin finds his Twitter during a game. Yeah, something happens. It's just that doing the play-by-play with Twitter, it's like, and then I can't watch the game. Yeah, it's, it's the a The worst thing as a sports writer is to go down for the post-game interview and have someone talk about a great play that you didn't see. That, you know, <laughs> determine the outcome of the game and you didn't see it. It's You're just like, the worst feeling. Probably should have put that in my story. Probably, that, yeah. that probably would have been good. All right. Probably should, have, probably should have seen that if I was watching. Yep. All right. If you're looking for, uh, are you good? Are you done? We're done. I, I guess. Did we start yet? I, yeah, I, I don't think so. Not this time. All right, if you're looking for uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can find him at kbaxter11. And, of course, latimes.com for all of his coverage of Southern California soccer, including the U.S. Women's National Team, the U.S. Men's National Team, sometimes the Mexican National Team, uh, and both L.A. teams as well. Head on over to latimes.com and uh, read all of Kevin's stuff. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgessman or at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our podcasts, all of our articles, all of our game recaps, our previews, all that will be right there for you on cornerofthegalaxy.com. So please head on over there. All right, Galaxy 2 games this week. Game on Wednesday. We'll be back on Thursday to recap that game and get you ready for the Sunday game against Real Salt Lake as well. Minnesota up first, then Real Salt Lake coming up on Sunday. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.